This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Hello there and welcome to the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Very best bits of today's show. It is a Thursday morning, 3rd of November, and it is the morning after the night before because last night we got Federal Reserve interest rate hike. And of course, the UAE did exactly the same. Details on that to come shortly. What else can I tell you? Talking salaries this morning, new survey out. Guess what? It's the lawyers and the bankers who are going to get the big pay rises next year. Going to hear from Gareth Elmaturi. He works with the recruitment firm Robert Half. Then we're talking real estate with Amira Sejwani. Now her day job is managing director at Damak Properties. However, she was joining us in the studio today to talk about a new prop tech startup that she's launching called Prypto. She'll give you all the details on that. And finally, staying with bricks and mortar, Clementine Monroe from Espas Real Estate answering your questions about buying and renting apartments. All that to come, but let's dive straight into the biggie this morning. And it is that Federal Reserve interest rate hike and the commentary from Jay Powell. Uh, causing quite a hullabaloo uh, out there on the financial markets, a certain Jay Powell, Richard Dean. That is correct, because last night around about 10 o'clock, he hiked the base interest rate in the United States by 75 basis points. And about 20 minutes later, the UAE Central Bank Governor did exactly the same thing, because that's just how we roll. A lot of the questions at the press conference for Jay Powell were not that they were critical of the decision, but they were questioning his motives. For example, have a listen to this. One of the journalists asked him, so Chair Powell, you're raising interest rates to fight inflation, but raising interest rates won't affect food prices or energy prices. So why are you doing it? This is what he said. So we, we don't directly affect, for the most part, food and energy prices, but the demand channel does affect them just at the margin. In, in many other jurisdictions, the, princip- the pro- principal problem really is energy. In the United States, we also have a demand issue. We've got an imbalance between demand and supply, which you see in many parts of the economy. So our tools are well suited to work on that problem, and that's that's what we're doing. You're you're, you're right, though. We the price of oil is set globally, and um, it's not something we can affect. Uh, I think by the actions that we take, though, we we help keep um, you know longer term inflation expectations anchored, and keep the public believing in two percent inflation by the things that we do, even at to- even in times when when energy is part of the story of why inflation is high. And he went on to say, we're doing it to fight inflation, but he accepted, as you can hear now, that there will be some economic pain. Reducing inflation is likely, likely to require a sustained period of below-trend growth and some softening of labor market conditions. Restoring price stability is essential to set the stage for achieving maximum employment and stable prices in the longer run. The historical record cautions strongly against prematurely loosening policy. We will stay the course until the job is done. So thumbs up for Jay Powell last night, thumbs down? He had no choice. This is the path. They've got to stick to it. Um, there's a theory that, you know, if they ease off, that markets will reward them. And they did a little bit after the statement because the statement was um, a little bit, it had wiggle room for interpretation and it suggested that um, it would be uh, quick or easy to reverse course. I don't think you've got any choice but to stand up and be hawkish if you're trying to drive down inflation because it's sentiment. Consumers, The American consumer is about 60 to 70% of the economy, right? Mm. Um, you calm inflation by people not buying things. If you stand up and say, don't worry about it, guys, everything's cool, no worries, nothing to see here, <laughs> you're not doing what you're trying to do, are you? 
And another point that he made, he said, you have to understand the labour market is still very strong. It's still far more demand for jobs than, than supply. But one thing I hadn't heard him say before, he says, household balance sheets are really strong. People have got lots of money. Um, so maybe their disposable income is down a bit because their mortgage rate is going up or whatever it may be. But he said that they built up a lot of money during the pandemic. So they can still spend. And that's why he's concerned about demand being too strong. Yeah. And you can't reassure. I mean, it's horrendous, but you can't reassure people at the moment because you're then effectively undermining your own policy um, of, uh, of trying to cool down. The economy. I mean, I'm looking at the moment, we've got the latest food price inflation you mentioned in, in relation to Jay Powell coming out of the UK. We've got a Bank of England decision today, widely expected that we will see another 75 basis points coming out of the Bank of England as well. Um, I mean, we've got double digit or near double digit, infl- we've got double digit inflation in the States, haven't we? And near double digit, I think, in the UK or either the way around. One of them's nine point seven and the other one's 10.1, I think. Um, the UK food inflation is now sitting at 11.6 percent fresh food 13.3 percent inflation and that as you say is the uh, is the stuff that's not necessarily going to be tackled by a lot of these rate rises so that could just continue what does it mean for us here in the uae we've been speaking to daniel richards emirates mbd so the benchmark here three month emirates interbank offered rate or one of the benchmarks is probably going to hit five percent today or very close to that so we said to daniel is this now starting to impact your forecasts for uae economic growth well given our dirham peg to a dollar our monetary policy does tend to move in lockstep with fed and indeed the uae has also hiked rates by 75 basis points last night meaning essentially that there is another leg higher coming for borrowing costs here as well. Now that will affect households of course who have pretty tangible monthly mortgage payments of those that have them and also businesses that might want to take loans to scale up which will now cost them more. It also means that the dollar strength we've seen so far this year will continue and indeed the dollar index is up around half a percent against its peers this morning. This of course can feel good when sending money home or going abroad on holiday but it's not necessarily good for local economy as it makes exports more expensive and makes it a more costly place to visit. Now, to date this year, the UAE economy and Dubai economy have held up pretty well so far, even as global conditions have deteriorated and monetary policy has tightened. This morning, we're looking out for PMI survey results for UAE, and they've been particularly robust to date. And all of this, as well as what we're seeing in the oil sector, has led us to revise up our forecast for 2022 real GDP growth to 7% from 5% previously. However, at the same time, on the back of this deteriorating global economic backdrop, higher interest rates and a strong USD, we also revised down our 2023 growth forecast from 5.7% previously to 3.9%. Dan Richards of Emirates NBD for you there. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast, exclusively on DubaiEye1038.com. Yeah, as Rich mentioned there, Robert Half, the world's first and largest specialised staffing firm. They're a member of the S&P 500 Index and they're a recognised leader in professional and consulting and staffing. And every year, roundabout now, we keep your eyes out for their UAE Salary Guide. The 2023 Salary Guide has hit the bookshelves now. It's available online. Make sure you check out the numbers, which are worth knowing, and they're making headlines this morning. That's why we've asked Gareth Maturi, the Associate Director for the Middle East, for Robert Half to join us live here in studio. Gareth, as always, good to see you. Morning, Tom. Okay, um, before we crunch through all of those numbers, which industries 
will benefit from salary increases and job demand next year? So at Robert Half, we cover five core lines of business, finance and accounting, banking, legal, IT and HR. But the two standout lines of business which we're seeing the greatest increase on salaries is legal and IT, technology. Mm. Salary increases would suggest demand as well for roles and jobs. When you're looking at it from demand as well, is it those same industries, then those same roles that are in demand? Yeah, correct. We're seeing a huge increase in demand, especially in the legal space for candidates with IPO experience, IPO readiness, um, corporate lawyers, um, and on the banking side of things, um, there's so much capital coming into the market, which needs to be deployed. So we're seeing a big increase in demand in investment analysts and any candidates with investment experience to deploy that capital. What about salary expectancies at the moment? Uh, How are companies dealing with expectancies of jobs and those looking to fill those jobs? There's there's still a global war for talent. Um, Attracting new talent into the market is difficult. Um, We are seeing candidates' expectations on salaries rise with the cost of living. Um, We're seeing some of our clients reduce benefits, such as education benefits and housing. So it's a perfect storm. Um, Speaking to our colleagues around the rest of the world, we're in a candidate short market, and I just expect that to continue throughout the rest of 2023. So that war for talent that you mentioned there, does that make retention more key at the moment? Significantly, yes. Um, It's always better um, to retain the talent that you've got, um, to retain that knowledge in the company. Um, but we expect, we're, we're 46% of candidates, expat candidates, are looking to make a move next year, which is a significant rise. Um, but again, the, the war for talent and the shortage of candidates is, is here to stay for now. We hear quite often as well about the fact that some companies are making roles more attractive with, with benefits packages. The old benefits packages of old have gone. And this phrase of soft benefits, what's a soft benefit? Um, Soft benefit. So the number one um, request and benefit we're seeing from candidates is flexible working, hybrid working. Um, That's the number one benefit versus um, cash at the moment. Number two, kind of additional holidays, Mm. um, spot bonuses. Um, um, But yeah, it's very much driven around flexibility. That's what we're seeing. And flexibility, I find a little bit of a troubling at the moment in terms of the fact that I get flexibility and I get that um, uh, candidates can sort of demand flexibility and employees are uh, asked to show more flexibility. And yet, if we're to believe there are people literally lining up trying to get into the country at the moment to fill roles, there is such demand for jobs here at present. So therefore, does that not give the employer a little bit more leeway to play hardball with the talent wanting to come here? The cost of living. To be based here, the, the increase in housing, the increase in, in living costs here is putting candidates off. We're having conversations on a daily basis with candidates across Europe who are looking to relocate. Um, and we're, we are finding it difficult to attract that talent. That's so interesting because I would have assumed prices are rising absolutely everywhere. Do you know what I mean? Inflation is, is global. Um, and a lot of other countries look a bit unfun to be in at the moment, to put it nicely. Yeah, is that I, not weighing in our favour? Um, there is head, there is headwinds, um, but again, the, the amount of open jobs, speaking to my colleagues in Europe, is still significant. Yeah. Um, candidates are getting significant increases in salary in Europe, which is one of our largest talent pools to, to source talent. So salary increase, yes, and hopefully uh, those roles that you define will be getting their salary increase for next year. Bonuses? 
bonuses across some sectors. Um, we're seeing bonuses in oil and gas, um, FMCG, and some tech sectors. Just on another point as well, you know, in recent years, we've talked about the COVID effect, a um, number of people coming over to the UAE, experiencing it for the very first time during COVID and going, oh, you know what, I like this, I might stay and have. We've seen it with the Expo effect as well, a lot new more eyeballs coming in. Will we see it with the World Cup, given that there is a predicted in surge uh, of people coming here for the very first time? No, yeah, no, definitely. Um, we, we are seeing an increase in candidates looking to relocate. But the biggest challenge at the moment is the salaries. Mm. Um, we are seeing clients more leaning towards single individuals, so they haven't got to pay the additional cost with regards to education, visas, etc. Um, but we, I, I do expect the World Cup to, again, attract more talent. Why aren't salaries going up here then? I mean, Dubai is booming. You can feel it. You can, you can, you can see it um, just, you know, on the roads mm. and the restaurants. Um, so presumably, a lot of these employers are doing well. Why aren't they increasing what they pay people? I think people want to be here, lifestyle. And I think clients are using that to their advantage. Um, Tax-free income. Um, people want to be here and leave the UK. But again, the biggest, the biggest challenge at the moment is just candidates relocating with, with families. It's, it's becoming too expensive. So I'm going to play bad cop uh, here, if I may, because, yeah, this is great. And mm. you've got lawyers and bankers and, and those in the oil and gas <coughs> absolutely uh, clapping and cheering in their cars at the moment listening to this um, with the predicted salary increases, potential bonuses for next year. However, all of us around this table know that global headwinds, not our favourite phrase, suggest that there will be an economic downturn. Is it guaranteed if things go a little south in terms of the economy or not? Um, oil and gas, for us, it's absolutely booming at the moment. Um, candidates are in demand with that skill set. Um, IT, technology, startups, um, we're seeing a number of companies move here. So again, bonuses, I feel, will be paid. Um, I, I, ex I expect salaries to, to increase in those core sectors because, again, there's a candidate shortage. There's a mm -hmm. talent shortage. Um, and as we're a global firm, these candidates are in demand globally. Mm. And just finally, on on something you mentioned earlier, the IPO effect as well, seems to be no end in sight in terms of the IPOs being going to market here at the moment. So that will spill, again will be a talent driver moving forward, will it? Oh no, definitely. I think listening to your show on a daily basis, the companies who are announcing IPOs, the IPO train has slowed down globally. Um, we're seeing significant um, companies looking to go IPO in the region. So that is just going to increase. Gareth. Bless you. Thanks so much indeed for coming in. Uh, the survey is available online, is that Correct, right? Correct, it is. RobertHalf.ae. Okay. Uh, get yourself onto RobertHalf.ae so you can download the salary and see what you should be getting at the moment. Okay, Gareth, thanks so much indeed for joining us live in studio. Gareth is the Associate Director for the Middle East at Robert Half. Catch up on the business headlines with the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Talking technology now, Amira Sajwani is with us in the studio, founder and CEO of Prypto, a prop tech startup. Amira, thanks very much indeed for being Thank with us. Thank you for us. having me. So you say this is going to be a game changer within the industry. Give us the 30-second elevator pitch. So Prypto is a platform that caters to not just buying a property, but the pre-services and post-services that a homeowner, a buyer, and a tenant, as well as the brokers in the market will require and are currently having uh, obstacles in achieving to make the ownership 
process easy and simple. I'm looking at a couple of the services you offer. One of them is Crypto Mortgage. So you help people find a mortgage. Another is Crypto, what you call RNPL, which is rent now, pay later. Essentially, if your landlord wants one check for the year, you can help spread it out over 12 months. And then a little bit later on, using blockchain technology, you're going to be offering fractional ownership of property. Can I start with the mortgage product? Sure. Because just a, a quick Google search revealed a number of players already in, in this space. Husby is the obvious one because they've just raised $37 million. But just scrolling down, you've got um, Mortgage Finder, part of the Property Finder empire. Allsop and Allsop have got a mortgage broker. I could go on, but you know the point I'm making. There is a, this is a competitive marketplace already. Of course, mortgage is a competitive marketplace already, but the mortgage volume in the market is still not catered to to the extent that it exists. In addition to that, I mean, obviously, we as a as a family development company, Demac, we process a lot of mortgages on our on our customers' behalf. So last year alone, we did 1.5 billion dirhams in mortgages just for our customers who walk into our office, want to buy a unit, and we just offer it as a pure and pure service. In addition to that, 70% of our annual sales comes from brokers in the market who are happy to work with us or with crypto now on this service as well for their other clients through other properties and secondary markets. So there's definitely still a large scope in the market for an entry, for a player to enter into that field uh, because the sco- the market is so large in terms of mortgage and the experts in the market are a handful of great people in the market, but they're a handful at the end of the day. Uh, just to people tuning in, I should remind them uh, or make them aware that your day job is Managing Director Sales and Development at Demac Properties as well. So this is not your yeah. first rodeo when this it comes to not. real estate. This is not. Is this just for people buying a Demac property? Or no, can they it use is an it? industry-wide solution. It will cater to everybody. Is no one going to think, is there a conflict of interest here? Do I really want to use something that's associated with Demac if I'm buying a property from MR or whoever else it may be? That's a great question. You know, I'm sure some people will think that, but as soon as people start to use our service and understand the segregation that it is not a DAMAC product, it is a services-oriented platform that is catered to the entire market, I think we're going to start to change that perception very quickly. Rising interest rates. Overnight, you'll have seen the news, of course. You've got a master's degree in finance from the London School of Economics. There's nothing I could teach you about this stuff. Is, Is there a risk that we see... Not the wheels falling off the Dubai property market, but we see a significant slowdown in the property market and mortgage lending as interest rates rise. Look, not at all, because it's Dubai. So the answer to that is, yes, mortgage rates have gone up to 5%, you know, 5.5%, but rent in Dubai has gone up 40% over the last one year. So a person who's buying a property who wants to stop paying rent annually is still in the money. In addition to that, Dubai's property market yields higher returns than the normal market than the normal markets globally, which still justify the interest rates being paid off and the service charges being paid off and a net amount still entering into the investors pocket or into the homeowner's pocket who would have been paying rent regardless. So Dubai's market is still looking really, really ripe. We still have a lot of uh, inflow from international interest after the way that the country handled the COVID situation. Uh, And the type of investors that are coming into Dubai right now is very, very healthy for the market. They're investors who are actually moving their families here after they saw how Dubai handled the COVID situation, after the new visa regulations, um, and after the new... Um, push into the market for 
company ownerships and startups and, and, and Vara being established as one of the startup hubs for virtual assets. You know, you have people like FTX and Binance moving here. And, and these companies, they bring employees and employees bring families and families need somewhere to live. And we've had the influx of people, multinationals bringing staff from Moscow and St. Petersburg 100%. as well. What's the sweet spot for a mortgageable property? in Dubai at the moment. We know the people who buy the 300 million dirham villa on the palm have just got cash and that's fine. But you said you, you did one and a half billion dirhams worth of mortgages. Is it a half a million dirham The sweet studio? spot is somewhere around one and a half to two million dirhams because it's usually around a townhouse or a apartment in, in downtown Business Bay. So that's usually the sweet spot ticket price. Um, but people go as low as 600,000 and as high as 10 million, 20 million. I remember I took out a mortgage to buy my first property in the Greens 19 years ago. It's a two and a half bedroom for 600,000 dirhams. Is it paid off yet? <laughs> ah, so I sold it a long time ago. But those, those were the days. What about mortgages for off-plan properties? Just asking for a friend. So, because typically the loan-to-value ratio is what, 50%? 50%. And the loan-to-value ratio on an offline, uh, off-plan property is 50%. And the construction has to be up to 50 to 60%. It also has to be a tier one developer. So Damak, Amar, Nakhil, these are tier one developers that can facilitate, the banks will facilitate for. Um, but the banks will not facilitate for any developer in the market that could be new and has no guarantee of construction. 30 seconds. What's crypto going to look like in five years' time? Crypto should be the go-to platform for all homeowners, buyers, brokers, and even tenants to go and service their apartments pre, post-launch, uh, post-buying. doesn't have to be just to buy an apartment but or a villa or a property. It can be to access the services that you need even having a home already. Great talking to you. Appreciate your time this morning. Best of luck with your startup. It's the voice of Amira Sajwani, founder and CEO of Crypto. Thank you. Thank you. Just the highlights. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Good numbers in real estate. Good numbers for Aspas as well. Aspas Real Estate announcing a 38% increase in transaction sales volume in the apartment market, 12.5% increase in the freehold villa market, uh, comparing Q3 2022 with year on year. Clementine's been kind enough to stay with us here in studio to answer some of your questions. Uh, she's the Associate Director, Head of Apartment Sales at Aspas Real Estate. Thanks very much indeed for sticking around. Um, question that's come in, uh, and it's come in from Ian. Um, and uh, I'm not going to use all the words that Ian used in his question, but I'm going to paraphrase it because he does bring up an interesting point. Yeah, it's all good and well us talking about a booming property market and value out there, be it apartments, villas or otherwise. But in terms of tertiary costs and service fees that go along with the buying, are they keeping? Are they staying sensible at the moment, or is there the potential for fees accrued by the buying process to put buyers off? No, I think what people and and having spent so many years working on the international market, one of the best things about Dubai is it is your buying costs are a flat six percent. And that's whether you're buying a property at 100 million dirhams or a property at a million dirhams. And I think that's incredibly comforting for buyers. It also kind of shows that Dubai isn't, it's not prejudiced to the the value you bring to the table. And I think that's what's so frustrating in particularly markets like London. Do you know where stamp duty is? It can be astronomical. It can really put people off. Um, and I think the fact that it is a flat 6%, uh, 4% to the Dubai land department, 2% to your agent, and then that. There are some smaller costs, 530 dirham mortgage registration fee. But I don't see things 
like that ever changing to the level at which it becomes unattractive to buy. And that's interesting because there will be a lot of people out there who might be misguided, might have the opinion that there's so much red tape and there's so much to cut through here. But with your international experience, when you actually compare and contrast, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, it is. It is great fun compared to doing something like the UK market where you're drowned in solicitors, you know, and the length of time they take and searches and this and that. You know, Dubai is phenomenally uh, well prepared Mm. to transact. It is fully open for business. You know, I was back down at the land department the other day to do my golden visa, actually. Mm. Uh, And even that is is just a phenomenally smooth process. Um, And I was saying to a junior colleague, you know, joking, I used to be down here to do transactions. But now there's these immaculate uh, trustee offices all over Dubai, you know, tea, coffee, you know, you want the kind of uh, red carpet service, you want, you know, Dubai is open for business. And, and it's a real lesson to other markets that are struggling. You know, Dubai makes it incredibly easy to transact. And if there was ever a validation for the industry, the fact that Clementine is here for another 10 years uh, is example of that one. Uh, Dipti's been in touch with us with a question uh, here. Uh, been here seven years, missed the boat on buying last year, but unsure whether to go for a one bed as an investment or a two to three bed to live in as we are currently renting at the moment. Um, uh, Clementine, any advice from you? Any indication of prices falling any time, looking at established areas and ready unit apartments or maybe even villas i mean i think you know assuming that she needs a two to three bed to live in you know based on what she said i imagine two to three bed rent is prohibitively expensive Mm. so the reality is i would suggest buying for own use Mm. that way you know you're paying off your own mortgage rather than someone else's um and you know you work hard in dubai it's nice to feel that you're coming home to your home at the end of the day I don't have a crystal ball, but the reality is well-priced apartments are transacting very quickly and there's nothing to say. You know, what we've got at the moment is 19% more buyer registrations, but 19% less stock. It just happens to be 19 and 19. But, you know, that is what we're experiencing for the month of October compared to last year. So would I say, wait, well, what I'm seeing is 20% less opportunity. And that ultimately has been a historic driver for pricing is mm. supply and demand. So I don't think there's anything, uh, there's any merit to waiting. I would say, you know, work with one agent. I wouldn't suggest calling every single agent telling them your requirement because what they do is call every single seller who has the property that matches your requirement and you invariably heat up your own market. Mm. So I'd work exclusively with one agent, tell them what you want, almost like in the UK, that kind of retained buyer search particularly if you want something well-priced and a little unusual, two to three bed apartment, you know, speak to, speak to an agent, speak to a spas, uh, <laughs> and we'd be delighted to help you. Quick one on that one as well, because, you know, part of that question was any indication of prices falling, etc. I mean, if, if you got a dollar for every time you were asked, when's the market going to dip? When's the market going to trough? Um, then you wouldn't be here. You'd be in the Bahamas or something like that. But to that point, I mean, everyone's saying, when's the market going to change? It's going to change, isn't it? Because that's the nature of the market. But... To that end, we're in a better place this time round to see the next high. Is that right? Exactly. And and all I can talk about is, and you know, John's talked about it before. We always try and quantify Dubai as a whole. Yeah. And that's just not possible. Palm apartments perform differently to Palm Villas. So we can't even talk about the Palm as a whole. Ultimately, you know, the traditional reasons for buying still exist and if you are looking to buy some of the growth we've seen is not sustainable i do agree with that but ultimately it it just comes down to supply and demand if you are looking for x and there is 20 percent less of x the value of that will remain 
or will go up. Mm. And that's this month. Mm. And that's why we speak to you monthly or every other week, because things change. But the demand is very much still there. Yeah. Uh, Clementine, thank you so much indeed for your time this morning. Uh, thanks for uh, all the help from the team from Espas as well. Uh, we do this once every two weeks, once fortnightly. So thanks so much indeed for joining us and thanks for uh, all your help. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.